everyone, my name is Maria Thomas and I work for Allianz Research, a global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Suber. Over the past few months, we've seen central banks in advanced economies raise interest rates for the first time in years to cope with record-breaking inflation. So in this special season of tomorrow, we wanted to look at the end of zeronomics. What will the new era of higher interest rates mean for the global economy and capital markets, households and companies? Let's find out with the experts from Allianz Research. Rising interest rates are a big shock for companies, but some sectors are more exposed than others. In this episode, we speak with Anna Boata, Head of Economic Research at Allianz Trade, and Anno Kuanathan, Head of Corporate Research, to find out what the end of zeronomics means for companies. Hello, Anna and Anu. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Hi, Maria. So to start, can you explain for our listeners, what did the era of low interest rates mean for companies? Yeah, well, it's true that we have been um, we have been almost a decade in an environment of uh, low interest rates and also high liquidity. Uh, let's not forget also the very strong quantitative easing programs, which of course allowed uh, the area of easy money and more corporate debt. So clearly, I think uh, over the past decade, what we have seen, and also with the uh, the crisis episodes, is that uh, corporates have indebted themselves uh, to rec- record high levels. Uh, they have been reached uh, also in in the start of this year. Uh, but I would say that well, while this record high debt is obviously not not a very positive trend, especially in the future with the increase in interest rates. It's not also bad uh, because, of course, they, there have been some structural changes in the composition of this debt. Of course, 75% of, of corporate financing is still bank-driven. Uh, but I think if we look at the liquidity positions over the past years, there has been a, a clear, a strong improvement. And this is uh, this brings me back to the notion of net debt, uh, which is also very important. Uh, and, and clearly, which went down to levels that we have been seeing uh, at the beginnings of the 2000s. So that's clearly one, I would say, element of resilience uh, at the start of this uh, hiking interest rate cycle. And along with that, of course, is every agent, when you can, uh, you increase your average maturity uh, and you change your vulnerability structure. Uh, And this is what uh, European corporates have been doing as well, because... Most of actually more than half of the corporate debt uh, has increased its average maturity and it's now above five years, which again increases the resilience uh, against the wall of redemptions in the very short run when when volatility is there and maybe there can be some scarcity and, and of course higher higher interest rates. Uh, so that's clearly something that is positive because corporates have a lower short term borrowing dependence, I would say, thanks to this this long period of, of low interest rates and, and, and easy money. Uh, now, of course, as every company structure, interest rates and financing costs are part of their, uh, of their expenses structure, along with labor, uh, along with input costs, and, and clearly having low interest rates until now has been, has been a source of profitability. Uh, obviously, it's reversed now. 
uh, with the uh, ongoing, even if moderate, increase in interest rates. Uh, and it will and might become, uh, of course, a problem for some of the sectors uh, that are more indebted uh, in, the, in the coming months and quarters. So maybe let's go into that a little bit more in detail. What exactly do you expect to happen now that interest rates are on the rise? So from a corporate perspective, Maria, we need to, you know, first to keep in mind that um, about two thirds of corporate debt in Europe uh, is in variable rate. Uh, it's also about three quarter of corporate debt in the U.S. So uh, it's definitely uh, pushing uh, interest rate expense higher for uh, many corporates. And at the same time, because of the uh, inflationary uh, backdrop that we have today, uh, actually, uh, for many corporates, working capital requirements are increasing uh, because of supply chain bottlenecks and inflation. Uh, companies have been piling up on inventories. And what we are observing is that uh, working capital requirements have increased uh, by six days of turnovers in the U.S. over the first semester and by 10 days uh, in Western Europe. So all of this uh, is pressuring firms to remain uh, highly leveraged. And uh, in most sectors, uh, we are seeing increase either in short-term debt for uh, companies who are uh, very pressured by uh, increase in, in working capital requirements. And we are also seeing some other uh, uh, sectors where uh, there is some increase in, in longer term debt, uh, but overall most sectors are uh, are showcasing um, an increase uh, in, in indebtedness. So, which sectors are you most concerned about? So, uh, I think what is also uh, very new in the current context is that uh, we are finally seeing some heterogeneity uh, in terms of risk among uh, sectors and and regions. Uh, so uh, we we talked about interest rate and uh, among the sectors that are uh, the most leveraged, uh, we can name a few, uh, construction, airlines, uh, machinery and equipment or transportation. And that's pretty much valid uh, on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, but now we're also seeing uh, some risks which are uh, very specific to, to, to regions. And um, obviously in Europe, uh, one of the main issue is the energy crisis that is ongoing. And that has been uh, particularly hitting uh, some sectors, the energy intensive ones. So to name a few, we can mention uh, the paper sector, metals, chemicals, uh, obviously the power sector, but also uh, telecoms. So these are the ones that are going to be uh, most under pressure um, in Europe. Uh, and uh, on the other side of the Atlantic, we also have some specific issues. So uh, right now, the dollar uh, is quite strong, and that's impacting uh, all the sectors uh, that are traditionally uh, relying a lot on, on exports uh, from the U.S. So again, to name a few ones, uh, we can mention electronics, machinery and equipment, household equipments, or uh, computer and telecom in the U.S., uh, which are definitely uh, going to uh, lose uh, some competitivity on uh, external markets due to uh, the strong dollar. Okay, and how how long do you expect um, these rising interest rates to last? Yeah, that's the key question nowadays, I would say, because uh, we all see we are a bit at the crossroads when it comes to the hiking cycles. There are countries that are suggesting they are 
they are, they are approaching the end of the hiking cycle and out of a sudden they are uh, victims of market attacks, if we take the case of Hungary uh, very recently, but also the UK, of course, the most obvious one, where, where clearly the fact that the fiscal stance is going against the monetary one creates even more trouble for the central bank. And, and I would say in general, as Anna was mentioning, the fact that we have a strong dollar brings back the idea of having longer hiking cycles to control also the amount of imported inflation and, and therefore the development of, of uh, the currency. So while we uh, forecast uh, a pivot in 2023 in rates, which means that probably at the mid of the year of the year we would have because of the recession uh, ongoing recession a fall in interest rates a moderate one uh, we might actually have this fall from higher levels at the end of this year early 2023 we clearly see over the past uh, weeks uh, inflation rates are still surprising on the upside be it in the US but also in Europe of course not for the same reasons much more demand driven in the US and clearly supply-driven and energy crisis-driven in, in the Eurozone. But the result is a bit the same. Uh, aggressive central banks that remain uh, very uh, very determined to, to fight inflation through the classical tools uh, and those that are hurting much less the market liquidity, right? So interest rates. Uh, so I think indeed that we are going to see probably uh, a peak in interest rates in the U.S. beyond 4%, so probably closer to 5 if inflation continues to, to surprise on the upside. Uh, above 2, uh, somewhere above 2, uh, maybe even closer to 2.5 in the Eurozone. Uh, and then, of course, in the emerging markets, still a continuation uh, in the uh, tightening uh, of monetary policy and, and increasing in interest rates for those countries that are most vulnerable to capital outflows, uh, because of their weak uh, fundamentals, right? And we have some in Europe, uh, we have some in Latin America, some in Africa. So we are not yet at the end of the hiking cycle, even if, again, uh, market conditions, uh, growing financial risks are uh, clearly asking the question for how long this can continue. And we might pivot, actually, the pivot can be more into the favor of market liquidity. So... Uh, for example, liquidity operations, uh, uh, comeback of quantitative easing programs, at the same time of, of increasing interest rates in the short run. So we should be, as a company, uh, be prepared to see higher bank loan interest rates, especially because the mark-to-market is a bit uh, slow currently, probably also because of the amount of liquidity still in the market. But we do see uh, that bank loans uh, rates have increased by more than 100 basis points in Europe since the beginning of the year. So it will continue in our view into 2023. Uh, and, and clearly that is something that, as Alan was explaining, will increase further interest expenses uh, for for corporates. Uh, so clearly the peak uh, should rather be, uh, in our view, after mid of next year because of the lagged transmission from key interest rates to bank loan interest rates. All right. Well, thank you very much, Anna and Anna. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.